before we get into it, I want to tell you a story about a Jewish man who had a son. Now, this Jewish man had a son who didn't take his faith very seriously, and so he uh, was constantly in trouble. And so the father said to his son, if you don't straighten up, I'm going to send you to the Holy Lands to become, to learn how to become a good Jewish boy. And the son continued in his ways and didn't straighten up. And so the father followed through on what he said and sent his son over to the Holy Lands for a year in order to make him into a good Jewish boy. But the son returned in six months, having become a Christian. His father was absolutely dumbfounded that this, is hap this had happened to his son. He said to himself, how could this have happened to my son, whom I sent over there to become a good Jew? And he really struggled with it, so he went to see his best friend, and he shared with his best friend, and he was telling his best friend all that he had gone through with his son, and said he sent his son over to the Holy Lands and become a good Jew. And his friend replied, funny you should mention it. I too had trouble with my son. I too told him that I would send him to the Holy Lands to become a good Jew if he didn't straighten up, and he didn't straighten up. And so I too sent my son to the Holy Lands, and you'll never believe what happened. He returned as a Christian. And so they said to each other, what do we do? What do we do? And after discussing it for a while, they decided to go and see the rabbi. Because the rabbi is their teacher. The rabbi would know what the answer should be. And so they went to see the rabbi, and they said, Rabbi, what do we do? They said, we both have the same problem. We both have sons who were in trouble. And we both sent them off to the Holy Lands to become good Jews. And they both returned as Christians. And so they said, Rabbi, what do we do? And with a disbelieving look in his eyes, the rabbi said, funny you should mention it. I too had a son. He also had trouble. I too sent him to the Holy Lands to learn how to become a good Jew. And he came back as a Christian. And so the three of them sat together and said, what do we do? What do we do? And they discussed it together. And they threw around different ideas. And they decided that what they would do is take it before God. And so they began to pray to God. And they said, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Joseph, we come before you because we don't know what to do. We all three have sons who were in trouble. And we sent them to the Holy Land, your land, God, to become good Jewish boys. And they returned as Christians. God of Abraham, what do we do? And lightning flashed and thunder clapped and the loud booming voice of God said to them, funny you should mention it. <laughs> ah. Now that doesn't have a lot to do with the sermon this morning. But I can find a transition for it. The transition is that the book of Hebrews was written to Jews who had become Christians. And so that's where we'll start this morning. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Chapter 4. We're just continuing on past Reuben's sermon last week into verse 14. And the writer of Hebrews says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. 
Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And so this passage reminds us of the context of the entire book of Hebrews. And that is that the Jewish Christians were struggling to hold firmly to the faith that they had in Jesus Christ. Now last week Reuben talked about Jesus in the sense of being our, re our rest. And so we found out and discovered that Jesus is our rest, that we can enter into a relationship to Jesus and He has all that we need in Him. And so verses, verses 1 through 13 of that chapter 4, the writer compares Israel's journey through the wilderness with the journey of faith that his readers were now in. And so there's comparison between Israel's journey through the, uh, through the wilderness and their disobedience. There's that comparison with the struggle that these Jews were now having in their Christian faith in retaining their faith in Jesus Christ. And so we discovered through last week's sermon then that just as Canaan was, promised, was the promised rest for the people of Israel, so it is that Jesus is our promised rest. And that if we we can be satisfied in Jesus Christ because He gives us all we need for living in this life and He gives us all we need for moving into the next. But that last section, verses 1 through 13, ended with two verses that are quite powerful. And many of us would be familiar with these verses. Look at verses 12 and 13. It says this, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. And so what we discover then is that the way in which we find our rest in Jesus Christ is to stay in the Word of Christ, to read the Word of Christ, of Christ, to read the Word of God. And that Word is living and active. That's why we can approach the Word and read it every day and gain new insights into how we apply it into our lives. The meaning of it doesn't change, but we change as we grow in our knowledge and understanding of God. And so the Word of God is living and active. And it penetrates deep into the issues of our lives that we're going through at the time. And the Word of God also judges our thoughts and our actions. And so when we read the Word of God, we discover that we cannot hide our sin from God. That the Word of God lays our sins bare before God. That He can see into our lives and He knows our sins. He knows those things that we hide from other people. Yet at the same time, we also discover through the Word that we can find rest from the guilt of our sins in Jesus Christ. And it is through Jesus that we gain access to God in a way that is so much more superior to anything that God's people had ever had before because of Jesus Christ. And so if you look back at verses 14 through 16, you discover that the writer of Hebrews here gives us two commands. And those two commands are first, first of all, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. Let us hold firmly to that faith. Secondly, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. Now in order for us to follow through on those two commands, then we have to fully understand what it means that Jesus is our high priest because that's what the writer of Hebrews presents. Because Jesus is our high priest, then we can hold firmly to the word, to the faith we profess. 
And we can also approach the throne of grace. So we have to understand that. The fact that Jesus is the high priest is a major theme throughout the book of Hebrews. In order to understand the book of Hebrews, you have to understand what it means that Jesus is the high priest. You have to understand this role of the high priest. Because to the Jewish mind for which the book of Hebrews was written, they fully understood the high priest. And they knew that the high priest was their access to God. That there was no other access to God besides going through the high priest. They understood this. But you know, we have difficulty today relating to this idea of a high priest. We don't really, we don't really uh, understand it fully in the way that the Jewish people would have understood it. When I say high priest, you probably think of the Catholic Church, maybe. They're the, kind of the only organization we're familiar with that has priests. Maybe the Pope is the high priest. But that's not the same idea as what the Jewish people understood, the high priest. And so we need to understand the role of the high priest because even today, we access God through the high priest. And it is through the high priest that we have our sins forgiven, even today. And so you have to understand that. And you see, the people of Israel, under the law of Moses, were never able to completely approach God with confidence. Now, they had a relationship with God. They honored God. They worshiped God. They presented sacrifices to God. They prayed to God. But they could not draw near to God in the way that we draw near to God today. There was always this sense of separation between the nation of Israel and God. There was a sense of distance between them. In fact, the average Jew did not even mention the name, did not even use the name Yahweh, the name of God. And so the average Jew, they had a relationship to God, but it was not the type of relationship that we can now have. It was more of a, a boss-employee type relationship where the boss tells the employee what to do and the employee does it. Therefore, they have a good relationship. And when the employee doesn't do what the boss asks, they don't have such a good relationship. That's kind of the relationship that God had with the Jewish people. And so with the employee-boss relationship, the Jewish people, they had a list of things they needed to do in order to please God. And they had a list of things that they shouldn't be doing in order to please God. So it was much more of a boss-employee type relationship rather than a mate-to-mate -mate relationship or a husband-to-wife relationship or, a, or a, a, another father-son type relationship. That's not the relationship that the Jews had to God. And so to a large degree, they could only know God from a distance. There are several things in the Old Testament that highlight this for us. First of all, the first concept of the Old Testament is the law. And so you had this, this law that God had presented to them, the system of rights and wrongs. It was really a system of do's and don'ts. And what the law does, it builds an awareness of our wrongs and it builds an awareness of our need for God. But the law also only reveals our sinfulness and our separation from God. But it doesn't reveal our access to God. And so by fulfilling the law, that Jewish person could gain a limited access to God. And so the better they fulfilled the law, the closer they could draw to God. But they never could get to God through that. And so to the Jewish person, their relationship to God was very much based on law-keeping, on the do's and don'ts. The more they did, the more access they had to God. 
But it was still a distance. There was still the separation between God and the people. There's another concept in the Old Testament, the concept of the temple. And the temple was the place where the Jewish person would go to worship God. They would, they would go and sacrifice to God. In fact, in that first temple that Solomon built, God's presence was seen, was visibly seen in the Holy of Holies within the temple. And so God's people knew that God's presence was there with them. But only the priests could approach God. And then only the high priest could enter into that Holy of Holies where God's presence was. And he could only do that once a year on that Day of Atonement. That was the only time that he could approach God. But to that Jewish person then, the temple re re represented this, this earthly place through which they could, they could in some way connect to God. Yet even with the temple, they could not personally come into the presence of God. The temple was set up in such a way where you had the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God was, and then you had the inner court and the outer court. And the Jewish person, they could not get into those inner courts and into God's presence. There was no access there other than through the high priest. Well, there's another concept within the Old Testament and the Old Covenant, and that is the idea of the priesthood itself. A priest spoke to God on behalf of the people. The writer of Hebrews shares with us a bit of insight into, into what it means to be the high priest. Verse uh, 1 of chapter 5 here. There are several elements within the role of the high priest. Look at that, verse 1. It says, Every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters relating to God. And so that's the first thing. That the priest was representing the people in matters that related to God. And in other words, the people connected to God through the priest. Secondly, he was to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. You know, the Jewish people had no way to personally come before God and ask for forgiveness for themselves. They had to access God through the priest. Look at the third thing for a priest. Verse 2. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has, had, he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as the sins of the people. And so that's the third role of the high priest, to deal gently with those who are ignorant and going astray. So in a sense, the high priest was a pastor to the nation. He pastored them. He took care of them. He helped bring them along to God. That was the role of the high priest. Because he could relate to the people. Because he also sinned. Therefore, he could deal gently with the others. But when it came time for him to go into the temple, he had to sac offer sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. But he also had to offer sacrifices to God on behalf of his own sins. So the high priest also sinned. So to the Jews, the high priest was the highest religious authority in the land. It was the most important role of all. He alone could enter into that Holy of Holies in the temple once a year to make atonement for the sins of the whole nation. Now we have difficulty understanding that. It's hard for us to relate to this concept of the high priest. But to the Jewish person, they understood it fully. And they knew that this was the most important role of all within Judaism. Because he's the one in which they could access God. And he's also the one that could offer atonement for the sins of all the people. Now the first high priest was Aaron. He was the brother of Moses. 
And every other seceding priest after that came under the lineage of Aaron. He was the mediator between the people and God. William Barclay put it this way. He said, His task is to bring the voice of God to mankind and to usher mankind into the presence of God. That's the role of the high priest. I wanted to give you just a glimpse of what it looked like for that priest when he entered into that Holy of Holies once a year. Let me read this from Stephen Cole. He said, Once a year, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest alone would go into the Holy of Holies to make atonement for all the sins of the nation. If he entered there improperly, or at any other time in the year, he would die. And he would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat in the very presence of God. And when he came out alive, the people heaved a sigh of relief because it meant that God had accepted the sacrifice for their sins for another year. It's an amazing picture. It's fascinating to gain that understanding of the high priest in the temple. And you can picture him pouring the blood on that mercy seat that was there in the temple. And he poured that blood in the very presence of God in the Holy of Holies. And they were not always guaranteed that God would accept that sacrifice. And every year he had to go in and do this again for the sins of the people. But the question is, what does this have to do with us today? Why is it important that we understand the role of the high priest? You see, the most significant aspect of that high priest was to offer the atonement for the sins of the people. Trouble with that atonement in the Old Testament priesthood, it was, it, was, it was always temporary. It never fully offered them forgiveness of sins. It was always this temporary solution. In fact, in Hebrews 10, verse 11, it says, Day after day, the priest stands and performs his duties. Again and again, he offers those sacrifices to God. And so you get this picture in which the priest slaved away in the temple offering sacrifices to God, going through those rituals of religion in order to somehow cover the sins of the people. Because the, the law presented to the people that they were separate from God. That there was this separate distinction, there's this distance between God and the people. And we all long to know God, don't we? We all want to have some type of access to God. But because of the law, we're very aware of our sins, but we're not always aware of our access to. And so the author of Hebrews here is saying to us in this passage, he starts out there in verses 12 and 13, he says, nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. And we must give account for our own sins. And so it's important to fully understand what it means that Jesus is your high priest. Because God sees our sins, and because we will give an account for our sins before God. And so it's essential to know what it means that Jesus is our high priest. Because it is only through Jesus Christ that our sins are fully atoned for. That our sins are fully forgiven. But you see, Jesus, rather than entering into that holy of holies in the earthly temple, in that earthly building that would soon fade away, that was destroyed and had to be rebuilt again, Rather than Jesus entering into that holy of holies, the writer of Hebrews says, Jesus passed through the heavens and now sits in the very presence of God himself. And so the point here that the writer of Hebrews is making is this, that Jesus, our great high priest, is unlike any other high priest that has ever come before because 
He sits in the very presence of God. You see, no high priest would ever sit down in the Holy of Holies. Reuben brought this out a few weeks ago in his message. Hebrews 10, 12. Jesus, the high priest, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And because of this, we now gain this beautiful picture of what the high priest, Jesus Christ, did for us. You see, rather than Jesus entering that holy of holies and pouring out the blood of an animal onto that mercy seat that man built by man's hands, even with the presence of God there, Jesus became the Lamb of God. And he shed his own blood on the cross. And he took his own blood. And it's as if he sat at that mercy seat now in the presence of God with his own blood-stained hands in order to take away our sins. And he sat down next to God, next to God's throne of grace. Now that's a picture that the writer of Hebrews gives to us. Jesus offered the perfect sacrifice to atone for our sins once for all. There's no longer a need for any sacrifice. There's no longer a need for any priest. Jesus is our great high priest who has gone through the heavens and now sits in the very presence of God. Jesus is the great high priest who is able to sympathize with, with our plight as human beings because he became one of us. And he now sits in the very presence of God. He sympathizes with our plight and he calls out to God on our behalf. And he mediates our sins before God and says, Says, says in a sense, let them in because they love me. My blood covers over their sins and therefore we have an access to God that no Jew had before they believed in Jesus Christ. And because of this, we are able to hold firmly to our faith because Jesus is our great high priest who took away our sins. And because of this, we are able to approach the throne of grace with confidence. Don't you just love that word grace? You know, the writer of Hebrews didn't say it allows you to approach the throne of the law with confidence. The writer of Hebrews didn't say it allows you to approach the throne of good works with confidence. He said it allows you to approach the throne of grace with confidence. Through Jesus Christ, we can approach God with confidence. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is now no longer this dividing wall of separation between God and mankind. In Matthew 27, verse 51, there's this beautiful picture of the divide being separated, of, of our access being opened up to God. And it's that picture in which within that Holy of Holies, within the temple, there was this huge curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the inner course of the temple. And no one was allowed in there because this big curtain had to be opened just once a year. But in Matthew 27, verse 51, when Jesus was hanging on the cross and the Bible says that he took his last breath and gave up his spirit, these are the next words. At that moment, the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now our access to God has been opened up through Jesus Christ. Now we are a nation of priests, as 1 Peter chapter 2 says. We're a holy nation, a royal priesthood. And we can go into the temple. In fact, Jesus said the temple is here in our bodies. And Jesus lives inside this temple. And we have access to God like no other person ever had access to God. 
That curtain has been torn wide open and now we can walk right into the throne of grace with confidence, knowing that Jesus sits right there in that mercy seat, knowing that we have full access to God and knowing that our sins have been forgiven. It's a dramatic picture of God opening up the access to himself through Jesus Christ. In the Gospel of John chapter 1, verse 17, it said, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth through Jesus Christ. I liked how, how the New Living Translation translated verse 16. It says this, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will, we will find grace to help us when we need it. You know, we all need mercy and grace at different times in our lives. Every one of us will need help at different points in life. Every one of us will give in to our temptations and commit sins throughout our lives. There will be times in our lives where we will have to cry out to Jesus Christ. We will have to cry out to Jesus for His help. We will have to cry out to Him for His grace to be in our lives. We'll have to cry out to Him for, for His mercy to be upon us in those times of need. We will have to cry out to Jesus for His forgiveness to be upon us. That's how Paul could write in Ephesians 2, verse 8. He said, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith in Jesus Christ. This not of yourselves, but it is a gift from God. You cannot work your way into heaven. You cannot, ac ask, uh, you cannot access God through your good works. You cannot access God by trying to fulfill the law in some way. You can access God by crying out to Jesus Christ, by putting your faith in Him. Because He is there sitting at that mercy seat, waiting to cry out to God on your behalf. And so when you cry out to Him and you call out to Jesus Christ and ask Him to be Lord of your life, then He speaks on your behalf before God. It's as if your sins are covered up and you have a renewed relationship to God. And therefore, it's no longer this boss-employee relationship with God. Now it becomes a father to a son or a father to a daughter or a mate to a mate. Jesus said He's become our friend. That's the access that we gain because Jesus is our high priest. As we continue on through the book of Hebrews in this series, you're going to hear more about this idea of the high priest. Because Jesus as our high priest has opened up that access for us to approach the throne of grace with confidence. Now, I don't know where you're at this morning. I know that uh, we all go through different things in our weeks. I know some of you might be struggling with something that uh, is, has gone unspoken to those around you. Maybe some of you have given in to that sin and that temptation. Maybe some of you are sitting right here, right now, just crying out in your heads, crying out to God for His grace and His mercy. I imagine, though, if you're listening to this message, then you know there's a need for something more. I don't know where you're at, but I know 
that Jesus Christ has opened the door for us to access God in a way that people have never been able to before. And that access is open for you this morning. Will you stand with me?